Welcome to Daily Daf Different, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Carl Perkins, and today we are studying the 19th page of Tractate Megillah, Megillah Daf Yud Tet. There's an interesting theme that surfaces in today's Daf, and that is the tension between uniformity and variety, uh, between conformity and individuality. When it comes to a group experience, in particular a group religious experience, there are two trends. On the one hand, a trend for different practices to develop in different places. On the other hand, a tendency toward uniformity. Both are illustrated on this page. Almost at the beginning of the daf, we have a quotation from the Mishnah that presents us with two topics. First, the question of what day of the month of Adar we are to recite the Megillah, and the second, just how much of the Megillah we are supposed to recite. To understand the first topic, we have to review. In the very first Mishnah in chapter 1 of our tractate, we're told that in ancient days, all Jews didn't read the Megillah on the 14th day of the month of Adar, the day that we referred to as Purim. Those who dwelled in towns did, but those who dwelled in villages would move up their reading to the previous Monday or Thursday, market days in ancient Israel. And those living in large cities would read it on the 15th day of the month. The latter practice is understood to be related to what we're told in the Megillah itself, namely that most of the residents of, Pu- of Persia observed Purim on the 14th of Adar, but the residents of Shushan, the capital city, observed it on the 15th day. Chapter 1 of our tractate goes on to explain that all cities that have been walled from the days of Joshua, such as the city of Jerusalem, are treated just like Shushan, and so residents in those cities read on the 15th. Therefore, in the days of the Mishnah, the Megillah would be read in different places, depending on whether the location was a village, a town, or a city. Now we shift to our chapter. What about a traveler? If you were a city dweller who was visiting a local town on Purim, should you read the Megillah with the locals or wait until you get back home to read it the next day? And what if you aren't going to get home by the next day? What then? And what about villagers who find themselves in town on Purim, even though they have already read the Megillah in their villages on the previous market day? What should they do? These are some of the questions discussed on our page of Talmud, Megillah Daf Yud Tet. First, we have an excerpt from the Mishnah. Someone who lives in a town who travels to the local city, or a city dweller visiting a town, if in the future they will be returning to their respective homes, then they should read the Megillah at the time that it is read in their places of habitation. Otherwise, they should read it in accordance with the people among whom they are visiting. Now, this makes sense. 
But there is a major ambiguity contained here. When are they planning to return? If a city dweller is going to be returning to a city not the next day, but a month later, should he still refrain from reading the Megillah with the townsfolk? This is cleared up by the opinion of Rava, who says that this law applies only to city dwellers planning to return to their city by the night of Purim. In such a case, they would read it with their own home community. But if they aren't expecting to return home for the holiday, they should read it with those among whom they are visiting. Now, there are other ambiguities in this passage that I don't mean to dismiss, but which are not entirely germane to our theme. The bottom line, the bottom line seems to be, if one is destined to return home on the night that Purim is celebrated in one's own community, then one should read with one's own community. Otherwise, one reads wherever one is with those among whom one is visiting. But Rava goes on to tell us that it is different with a villager. Villages are different from cities. Even though the practices in each differ from what we might call the norm, they are considered fundamentally different. Walled cities have their own rule because the city of Shushan had its own rule. But villagers are permitted to read the Megillah on the previous Monday or Thursday as a concession. Hence, if villagers find themselves in town on Purim, they read with the townspeople, even if they've already read in their own village. Then the question is raised, how much of the Megillah must be read out loud on the night of Purim? Rabbi Meir says, all of it. Rabbi Yehuda says, you have to read from the beginning of chapter 2 at least, verse 5, when the Megillah begins to talk about Mordecai. Rabbi Yossi says, you have to read from the beginning of chapter 3, when the character of Haman is introduced. In the Gemara, we're given a fourth opinion, that of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who says that you have to read from the beginning of chapter 6, when the king's sleep is disturbed and the story takes an abrupt, redemptive turn. What's behind these differences in practice? There are two efforts within the Talmud itself that, to identify the bases for these differences in practice. One of them is presented by Rabbi Yochanan. He quotes Esther chapter 9, which speaks about how Esther and Mordechai wrote about acts of power. The question of how much of the Megillah you have to read, he says, flows from the question of whose power is referred to in that verse. If it's the power of Ahasuerus, then you have to read from the beginning of chapter 1 of the Megillah, which starts talking about Ahasuerus right at the beginning. If it's about the power of Mordechai, then you start reading from chapter 2. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. If it's Haman's power, then you have to read from chapter 3. And if it's the power of miracle, then you read at least from chapter 6. In case you were wondering how it is all resolved, the Talmud presents us with the opinion of Rabbi Chelbo, who, quoting a statement of Rav, makes clear to us that the halacha, the Jewish normative practice, is according to Rabbi Meir. You do have to read all of the Megillah. And in any event, the text from which you are reading must contain the entire text of the Megillah. We can see how these two topics are dealt with differently in Jewish law. Jewish law does preserve differences when it comes to when we read the Megillah. True, those differences have narrowed. No longer do villagers read the Megillah on the previous market day. 
But those who live in walled cities from the days of Joshua do read the Megillah and celebrate Purim on the 15th day of the month of Dar, the day after Purim. That's the practice in the city of Jerusalem. Regarding how much of the Megillah must be read, uniformity was insisted upon. Everyone in traditional communities now reads the entire Megillah. And the Megillah contains, the text of the Megillah contains, the whole Megillah, not just a portion of the work. This discussion reminds me of a story that used to be told of the late great Jewish scholar Ernst Simone. Ernst Simone was a German-Jewish scholar and educator who settled in the land of Israel in 1928. The way the story is told, Ernst Simone did not enjoy celebrating Purim. Why? It isn't that he was a person who didn't like frivolity or dressing up in costume, although that may have been the case. It's that he was principled. One version suggests that it has to do with the great bloodshed that is presented and, and celebrated at the end of the Megillah. This offended him. And so, according to the story, he would make sure to be at home in Jerusalem on the 14th day of the month of Adar, because Purim is not celebrated in Jerusalem on the 14th day of the month of Adar. But then he would travel to, to Tel Aviv and make sure to stay there the entire next day. That way, he could avoid celebrating Purim entirely. A few years ago, I encountered in Jerusalem Ernst Simon's son, the equally eminent professor Uriel Simon. I couldn't resist. I asked him whether there was any truth to the story. He smiled. Well, he said, the story is apocryphal. My father did not do what the story said he did. But the story, he said, is interesting. It tells you something about the people who told it. In the story, rather than rejecting Jewish tradition altogether, Ernst Simone was depicted as finding a way, a clever way, to express his individuality while conforming to traditional norms. Conformity and individuality. Megillah Daf Yud Tet. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.